Well, good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for September 11th, 2016. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. Recently, here at Bright Dawn Center, um, we've been having some trouble with our septic system. You know, we're on a six-acre lot, wooded lot, and um, Madera County. Actually, it's an unincorporated area in in our in our neck of the woods here, and uh, so we're not hooked up to any um, municipal water or septic uh, system. We have our own well, and we have uh, <clears throat> so forth. So I learning about those kind of things, that kind of lifestyle and what it entails. Um, but because of the uh, trouble with the septic system, and uh, I realized you can't take it, can't, can't take it for granted. Especially when you get up in the morning and you go into the bathroom and, you know, uh, you use the toilet and you flush it. <laughs> well, it just goes. Uh, you turn on a faucet, water comes out. You flip a wall switch and the light comes on. Um, the modern conveniences and comfort uh, in everyday functioning like this, we can't help but take it for granted. Until something goes wrong, okay, then we have to really struggle. And uh, perhaps call in uh, a professional repair person. Um, and I was thinking, you know, it's not so much gratitude, I guess, for these modern conveniences, but uh, just the the uh, amazement of the, how these things work. I mean, just, the, you know, boom, that's it. Boom, 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 you know. Uh, <clears throat> such amazement at, at, at the convenience and comforts. And then you think about pioneer days, you read about it or saw it in movies and whatnot, and and uh, no electricity, and no running water in the house, um, and of course that's the way life was in those days. So you got up, you lit a candle, or you, or if you were really, uh, you know, uh, modern in those days, you had a little kerosene <laughs> lamp. Wow. How much more? How much more efficient was that than a candle? Uh, maybe you you went to the you pumped the handle in the house and you got water. Oh man, water right in the house! Instead of you having to go to the stream and get it, <laughs> you know. And of course, it's all relative. Okay. Um, so it's not the 
gadgets or, uh, you know, the things themselves inside us. Our awareness of these things. Um, <laughs> I remember a short story I read. It said, it's a war-torn city, you know, maybe in the you know, European city bombed out and a mother and her young daughter wandering around, uh, everything, buildings are all destroyed and uh, evening's coming, it's going to get cold, it's windy, they're looking for shelter and in the rubble they find a, a wooden door that was intact, but blown, you know, blown over. So they propped it up against uh, some crumbling brick wall, and they could get in underneath the the door, being used as a wind barrier. So, and then the, the little girl looked at her mom and said, "Mom, what do people do that can't find the door?" Uh, this really drove home to me the fact of um, putting the attention not so much on the things that we do take for granted but the taking for granted itself (laughs) it's just something to think about Well, well, I'd like to introduce today's guest to give us a Dimer glimpse. This is Clarence Genio. Uh, he lives in Florida, and he was uh, inducted as a Brighton lay minister this past May as part of the LM8, lay minister 8 group. Clarence Genio with us today for a Dimer glimpse. Please. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning on Live Dharma Sunday. Sure, I don't need to mention the significance of today, September 11th, and the horrible events that happened on this day 15 years ago. Unless you were a very small child at that time, I think the events are probably uh, forever burned into our memories. It kind of affected the way entire couple of generations of Americans look at the world. We'd had uh, terrorist bombings before that, including, you know, the uh, Oklahoma City bombing and the truck bomb in the World Trade Center itself several years previously. But we didn't have to deal with them at the same, you know, amounts that uh, other nations in the world have had over the last several decades. And it uh, very much changed how we look at things in the sense that uh, our kind of a naivete of the, you know, people being able to do this, these kinds of things to us went away and it left us very afraid. And that fateful day set off a chain of events that we're still dealing with 15 years later. I recently had the revelation that uh, there are teenagers who are entering their freshman year of high school this year that have never known a world where the United States wasn't in some form of overt military action. The military deployments to overseas combat zones and 
evening news reports of bombings and casualties and security scares have shaped the worldview of an entire generation of children. The hopeful thing I see in all that is maybe in 30 or so years when those children who are now in the, will then be in the uh, driver's seat of the country will kind of realize the uh, futility of always using force to achieve foreign policy and that uh, there's always uh, consequences and a backlash of lasts for a very long time. I'm hoping that they will uh, look at that and the situations that have developed over the last 15 years and how we're still mired in conflicts overseas and, and they'll learn from that. But on the today, the 15th anniversary of the September 11th attacks, I'd kind of like for all of us to remember those that have perished in the aftermath. The 3,000 or so people who died on the actual attack itself the, the first responders and all the others who later succumbed to illness because of the rescue and cleanup damaged their health irreparably. All the, the soldiers, the young men and women who volunteered to go over and fight and the lives have lost. The foreign civilians whose Really, only crime was being unlucky enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And even remember the terrorists and the jihadist fighters who have died too. And that last sentence may shock some people. Remember the terrorists? I think we should. And that's not an easy thing for to do. And I'll be honest, that's not an easy thing for me to do either. I was uh, one of the people on September 11, 15 years ago, who felt some kind of surge of righteous anger, and we have to punish the people who who did this. You know, that kind of lost to me at the time that the words righteous and anger being kind of in the same sentence. But it's easy to have compassion for people you identify with. It's easy to look kindly after your own. But to have compassion for people who want nothing more than to kill you and tear down your culture, that's really very hard. Very, very hard. And for some people, it's nigh on impossible. But one of the central ideas to Buddhist thought is interdependence. It means that everything and everyone is connected in a very complex web of cause and effect. The idea that nothing exists outside of and independent of everything else there is. We, we trick ourselves into thinking that I'm over here and that person's over there. I'm this way and they're that way. I'm normal, but they're different. They're, they're, they're weird, but I'm okay. We trick ourselves into thinking I'm better and they're not. And everyone on the other side of that imaginary fence seems to think the same thing about you. Okay, wonder why uh, the world is in such a crazy predicament as it's in. But I also can see an alternate reality. You know, we see uh, novels and stories that they call alternate histories, or, you know, some writer will 
craft a fictional story about, you know, what if something happened differently? You know, there's uh, stories where, you know, a different side won the Civil War and what might have happened had that been the case. And, you know, a lot of fiction stories. And I actually enjoy a lot of those alternate timeline stories or, you know, what if one thing had gone different in some famous historical battle and everything the world we know today turns out to be completely different. And I can kind of see an alternate reality in my own life. What if I weren't born here in the United States of America, lived a reasonably comfortable life in a very prosperous nation? What if I was born in a much less developed country with economic and social hardships, a, a culture that didn't have very much way in exposure to outside ideas, a place where the prevailing political, social, and religious powers that be tell me that everything that's wrong with my country or the, the world that I, I look, live in is because of some other mighty nation. And that's then the that country is why your life sucks so bad. And this other evil country is so powerful that the only way to combat them is to turn myself into a human bomb. When I really deeply look at that, would I really be so different than the suicide bomber who'd been fed nothing but propaganda all his life? And if you look at it really deeply, would you be? course we like to, to think oh no I would never do something like that but what if I don't advocate allowing terrorists and criminals and other people who want to harm people just to run around blowing things up and hurting others I really truly believe that both nations and individuals have the right and the duty to protect themselves from aggression and the unfortunate sad fact of the world we live in is that Sometimes when someone is just so bent and determined on causing harm, that harm must sometimes be brought to bear to stop them. Sometimes people just refuse to talk and work things out. But more people bringing more compassion to the world over time can help soften attitudes of other people who want to harm us. Can eventually lessen the intractable differences between peoples and countries and ideas. Something that would take generations. But it can be done. And it starts with developing more compassion for others we don't necessarily want to. Trying to stop for a moment and look at the other person's shoes. Not to justify when people commit horrible actions. Not to not hold them accountable but also not see them as something as being different from ourselves, something that's somehow subhuman because they don't look at the world the same way we do. Developing uh, compassion for the people that hate us and that we don't feel comfortable with can help us expand our capacity to deal with having compassion for the people we do want to. And it also, by extension, helps us develop compassion for ourselves. And that's something that's sometimes the most difficult thing of all, having compassion for ourselves. How much suffering, stress, and strife in the world comes from people who act out against others, 
because of bad feelings they have for themselves. Compassion is something that's central to the Buddhist life. And I know it's not always something that's always come easy to me. It's something we have to work at. It's something we have to remind ourselves of on a daily basis. I know that uh, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this was a, as a reminder to myself that uh, have compassion for others in the long term is a much better way to live, allows us to relax and help understand others. So today, sometime, think of the loving-kindness meditation when thinking about the September 11th attacks, that may everyone in the world be happy. May they be well. May they be safe. May they be peaceful and at ease. May they know compassion. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you very much. I can think of a I just speak of the phrase, understanding others and oneself. Um, <clears throat> I always like to think about a kind of a title or a phrase or, or you know, um, <clears throat> something that, uh, a title of a talk that encompasses, gives us a handle of how to organize our uh, the different points there and uh, <clears throat> you know and I remember um, a psychological well I was in a psychology class intro to psychology and I guess we must have been on a social psychology chapter and, and I always remember and, you know I was probably 18 years old and starting college and the professor said was immediate context, but he said, anger comes, wisdom goes. When there's anger, uh, <clears throat> it's a reaction, uh, and we're not thinking clearly. Um, think about, well, we're preparing for our, our autumn newsletter right now. And uh, one of our articles, <clears throat> which was given actually as a Dharma glimpse for Live Dharma Sunday a while back by one of our lay ministers, we're going to run his article that he talked about, titled Buddhism and Politics. Um, <clears throat> uh, and as I looked at that title, Buddhism and Politics, see, politics is, is looking at events. Essentially, things that happen in the world, power struggles and so forth, ideologies. The Buddhism part of Buddhism and politics, Buddhism always involves looking within. It's the understanding oneself aspect of it. And from that center, if you will, or base or foundation, we can better understand others political aspect of it and 
we could talk about this in, in many ways. There has been mentioned in today's Dharma Glimpse, we versus them, dependency, and indeed, you know, um, 9-11 was the kind of event where, yeah, everybody knows where they were, uh, that kind of thing. Um, that's a tremendous, well, how you could call it, you know, war itself is a political, in the political arena. War, W-A-R, we are, right? And not only armed conflict, but you don't like what someone stands for, you assassinate them. Um, I thought of this because just recently, um, through the six degrees of separate closeness kind of idea, you know, I went to school in um, at University of California at Berkeley in the early 60s, and uh, I worked in a part-time job as a student. I worked in the registrar's office uh, in the basement where we supplied, we, you know, had inventory of all the office supplies for the registrar's office, all the secretaries and administrative staff upstairs and and so forth. And we were also part, part of what they call uh, public ceremonies. So we covered uh, uh, events like commencement and things like this. Uh, sometimes we, we part of our uh, um, <clears throat> personnel involved uh, photographers and so forth. But we were stock, essentially stock boys, and there was one person on the uh, charge of the photography part, and uh, he was, of course, older. He was uh, he was a uh, full-time employee, and uh, <clears throat> recently through mutual friends uh, and email and so forth, um, uh, we got in contact with each other again. I hadn't heard his name or thought about him for, <clears throat> but uh, all these memories flashed on me about what was going on at that time uh, when I worked there, some significant events and uh, student protest, free speech movement, and I remember standing a few feet away when um, uh, JFK, uh, President Kennedy, came for to be a commencement speaker in June of 63. And then, of course, that November, I was working in the basement when this uh, photographer's wife called us in the morning. It was in the morning, and she called and said, there was some news on the television that the president was shot. Uh, indeed, I remember those things. Uh, I remember... The day of 9-11, the shock of it, and when I went out the front door, maybe we weren't going an errand, and across the street a neighbor comes out, and they sort of look Middle Eastern looking. There's an emotional reaction inside of me, uh, you know, uh, of uh, alertness, <laughs> and I... And I tell myself, hey, I'm a uh, liberal, open-minded person, but to to have that kind of reaction, you know, um, 
this is go you could go into the whole topic of uh, World War two and uh, what, what happened to Japanese Americans on the west coast incarceration camps and, uh, and why those civil rights organizations uh, Japanese American organizations really stood up for whenever uh, terrorism and talk about uh, you know Middle Eastern countries or, or, or immigrants and uh, even if they're citizens doesn't matter uh, the kinds of emotional reactions and sometimes it could lead to wartime hysteria legislation passed civil I mean constitutional rights ignored and all these things uh, that is against understanding others. Um, and to appreciate, I suppose, the impact on us, the visual images, they say seeing is believing. Of course, we're not talking about magic tricks and stuff, but the impact of a, of a visual image of the World Trade Center or bombed-out city or it makes it real. And uh, <clears throat> I remember a minister, this is just a side association, but uh, at, a, at a crematorium, they had a service for a family, and then the family left, and they don't see it. In America, we don't, they, the family doesn't see the actual cremation in the oven and so forth, you know. But there is a window there. And, uh, you know, in other countries, sometimes they do have these, uh, these uh, cremation rituals. But anyway, anyway, I remember this minister was telling me, he said, he went down into the where the oven was after the family had left and after the service, and he asked the employee, "Can I watch? You know, I want to see the." He wanted to remind himself of the reality and the impact of it, and he could see the body being burned up, looking you know through the window. That kind of a impact of visual images. <clears throat> but I think we need to. To, to think about the um, impact of these things um, and be affected and look inside ourselves. I remember one time when I was teaching uh, <clears throat> introductory psychology and we had a, a small discussion groups uh, met for it and uh, you know, about five, six people talking about things, and, and I remember one time we were talking about prejudice and things like this, and there was one fellow, I know he was uh, <laughs> when he was in high school, and he was in college, and you know, I guess what you could call him a blue-collar, redneck type of a guy, and, uh, and we were talking some about cult groups, and he says, oh, these cult groups, you know, and he was really bad-mouthing them and so forth. And then, and I was trying to, and I, and, and I was surprised, but I said, well, what, well, wait a minute. Uh, what, let's just imagine, what if your sister somehow got influenced and got involved with this extremist political group or, you know, religious group or whatever, and then, you know, and I just pressed it a little bit. 
and in this kind of an intimate setting of a small discussion group, and and look face to face with him, and you know, really describing this what if, and he said, you know, would, could you be more understanding of the people that were followers that somehow they got conditioned or something or whatever? And what if it was your sister? Do you have more understanding for you know, the, the situation? And, he, and then he nodded his head and he said, yeah, yeah, I could see that. That really, <laughs> I remember that. It impacted me in terms of, you got to look within. And don't look at the outside and say, yeah, that was no good. Um, and this is where I think compassion comes in and, and a very, uh, uh, you know, stark, story about that Thich Nhat Hanh talks about when the boat people from Southeast Asian countries were were fleeing the civil wars in their country and then the, these pirates raided these boats and there's a, a Thai pirate that you know rapes and murders a 12 year old girl in, in the boat and he says that we have to have compassion also for the raping pirate <laughs> wow, you know, <laughs> never considered this, you know. Um, uh, passion for the pirate. Our compassion has to be that big. And the compassion is that, hey, this guy, he doesn't even know the, the most simplest common decency of being a human being. He's pretty bad off, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, uh, this is the kind of thing that I think makes understanding others and oneself such a thing. Uh, there's a person every year, all these associations flashing around, flashing around in my head. I'm so I probably sound misjointed. Every year around in, in August, you know, which is uh, we get a memorial donation from this. Garden friend in the Midwest, and uh, he said, "This is a." Uh, in fact, he 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 made this. Uh, we have a a bell. It must weigh about two three hundred pounds, and it's uh, Japanese style. They call it a concho bell, Daikin crate bell, and it's you know maybe about five feet tall, made out of metal, and uh, we in order to hang it. Uh, we needed a kind of like a frame around it. And so this person was a woodworker and he made this frame for this bell. So he knew, he knew we had this bell and uh, so where we set it up at the Bright Thought Center here and so forth. And uh, as a remembrance for Hiroshima and Nagasaki Day remembrance, yeah, every year, you know, so many years now, he sends a memorial donation. He says, please ring the bell. Uh, and uh, and then there was a phrase, tremendous teaching phrase that uh, uh, fellow uh, Dharma ministers and colleagues and so forth, I remember, a good friend of mine, uh, maybe this was the title of a chapter in one of my father's books, I don't remember, and I don't know if this is uh, a, a quote from that originated with my father or not, not that that matters, but the phrase is, 
world peace begins with gusho. And uh, uh, this other, this minister, a friend of mine said, yeah, that's, that's a great theme. That's a great, I really like that, you know. And sometimes organizations, they have a theme for the year or whatever, or, or a conference might have a theme and so forth. And, uh, and uh, he, he really liked that. Um, I remember my sister, she's a uh, tea teacher, Channel you. They, they, she, she says they really don't like tea ceremonies. That doesn't give the right connotation. You know, channel you means, you know, the way of tea or hot water for tea. They say tea ceremony. <laughs> anyway, she's a, a tea teacher, and um, one of their themes once was, uh, you know, world peace begins with a cup of tea. And, you know, that makes you think uh, all that's involved in that in that kind of an image. So we need to keep certain kinds of images alive, the good and the bad. Uh, we, we should be affected inside. We should introspect. We should reflect upon interdependency and understand. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time. Keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.